Planning Commission podcast is a spirited discussion with myself and a couple of my longtime colleagues in the profession. Our discussions are based solely on our own opinions and do not reflect the opinions or views of our employers, the American Planning Association, or even our alma maters. So grab a seat in the back of City Hall, dig out that old copy of Robert's Rules, and for goodness sakes, read your packet. The Planning Commission is now in session. Welcome, everybody, to the Planning Commission Podcast. I'll be your host today, Chris Daly. I'm joined by Jess Smith and Don Kostelik. Jess, say hi. Hi, y'all. Don? What's up? All right, we're going to introduce ourselves in just a minute, and everybody will get a chance to know one another. But what the heck is this podcast about? This podcast is hopefully a whole lot of fun. It's definitely about the planning profession, the goods, the bads, and certainly the unknowns. Our objective with this is to just shed light on, on this crazy profession, we're the sort of folks that are in the background of every city, county, whatever the case may be, trying to turn knobs and make things better. Sometimes we're good, sometimes we suck. And that's kind of what this is about. We're going to bring in some experts who are a whole lot smarter than the three of us and ask them some good questions, get a chance to know them and their background and what makes them tick. And for those of us who are out there listening, hopefully you get something out of it, maybe learn something. Maybe if you're thinking about this profession, maybe a direction to go, but at the end of the day, it's all about a cathartic experience for the three of us. Really, it's probably a selfish endeavor in that way, but we're going to have fun doing it. So let's kick this off. That's what this is about. Let's get to know one another. Jess Smith, you have about one minute to tell us who you are, your background. Give it to us. Hit it. Okay. So I grew up in Western North Carolina and I went to um, UNC Charlotte for my undergrad program in civil engineering. So I'm that odd person out here on this podcast because I do not have a formal planning education, but I did end up with a couple of classes in planning. And then when I uh, began to work as an engineer, I sort of got adopted by the planning department um, because I could draw maps on a computer. And um, they also found out I could talk to people, which was just sort of a a strange skill set to come out of engineering school with. And I began a a graduate school uh, program at NC State, again, in the engineering department. And I just, um, I kept ending up in these kind of transportation systems planning type courses. I did a lot of work in policy, and I ended up doing work um, for the DOT for a master's thesis. So, I mean, and all of it was wrapped around was systems. So, I ended up kind of a transportation planner through the engineering world, and um, and that's sort of where I ended up being. But with a personality. That's probably my favorite part of that whole story. Is, <laughs> <laughs> wait, you talk to people? Oh, my gosh. You shouldn't be here. You should be somewhere else. Don, tell us a bit about you. Well, I also grew up in Western North Carolina, but we would call sawmills where Jess is from kind of Eastern Western North Carolina. I was far mm-hmm. Western, and but I should have a thicker accent, but I don't for a variety of reasons. I get into urban planning. Uh, really, my mom would always say uh, in the car, Don, you don't have to know your way around every city on the East Coast because I would just sit there and stare at maps the whole time. And <laughs> when I got into transportation and transportation planning and found out there was a field for that. I'm like, Ooh, I like this. So uh, my educational background was really a combination of planning and transportation or traffic engineering in university of Illinois at Chicago. We built traffic models. Uh, we did kind of some of the traditional traffic engineering work combined with a background in planning. So it was a little bit of a hybrid 
degree from that. I worked for a brief time for Chicago Transit Authority and Ada County Highway District here in Boise, and I've now been in consulting for the last 13 years, I think. I think about the same amount of time you have, Jess. Wow. So for those of you who are listening and kept keeping score at home, yes, we have two folks from the same region, which means that the grit and the boiled peanut factor is quite high on this podcast, right? The rocking chair in the front yard and the shrimp and grit protocols, oh, right? You can't God. call it shrimp and grit. It's shrimp and grit. Or maybe it's the I, the I still messed that up. So And grits is never singular. <laughs> yeah, I yes. don't know what you're talking about. Shrimp and grit. Yeah. <laughs> There's I, like two small things. <laughs> Hey, Dan, did you know, though, um, Chris, that there is there is boiled peanut hummus, which is the best thing oh, that's ever been that made. that does sound divine. <laughs> you had me that, that you had me at boiled penis hummus. Did I just say penis? I did think I said penis. You, that's our first time. Hopefully that's not one of the words you said we couldn't say. So <laughs> that's not on the list. I, I violated know. our own list. So, OK, who am I? <laughs> Chris it. Danley uh, grew up born and raised in the SoCal region. Um thought that the world was normal by calling everything by the freeways and the 91 the 10 the 210 all of that i guess it was not normal uh latchkey kid so i spent a lot of time in the car had no idea that was a seed that was planted in me the military took me all over the world where i got to see how other people live how the normal folks in this world live and fell in love with that basically went to grad school up in eastern washington got into planning because i thought it was just a really fascinating subject I always loved, as a kid, the movie The Wizard of Oz, and I always thought that the planning profession was kind of that guy in behind the curtain, right, making things happen. Man, was I sorely mistaken, but at least in my head, it made a lot of sense. That's um, the same fraud concept. <laughs> yeah, so I, we're I wizards. Smoke the and mirrors, Prophets right? and that's wizards. What, we're the wizards. <laughs> um, so absolutely, then ended up in the public sector of, uh, more about that later but and ultimately have been in my own really trying hard to integrate public health and planning uh into the same sort of vein for the last uh 11 12 years i have my own coffee cup i bought myself as a business owner and uh enjoy the heck out of it more to come on all three of us as we go but give us a sense don why why is it that you're a planner what made you get into this profession exactly and and why do you still do it I think I've always had a fascination with cities. And when I was at DePaul University for my a part of my undergrad, I took an urban studies course. I'm like, what is this field called urban planning? And I got more involved with it when I was at finishing my undergrad at Western Carolina University when the campus was undergoing a campus master plan. And I was just really enthralled and following that. And still remember one of the ironic recommendations about that was for a college campus, we were too sterile. We needed more entropy around campus and more kiosk with crazy stuff on it. And it was just kind of this um, uptight looking college campus. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. So that's really what propelled me then to go to graduate school at the University of Illinois at Chicago and be in this profession. Jess? Oh, man, I, I just sat too close to the planning department at this this company I worked at. I was in the engineering group. Uh, cutting well first of all when you are an engineer right out of school you cut a lot of cross sections for highway design and it is very boring and in my opinion some people love it and we need those people but it is very boring and uh, I was sitting a little bit too close to the planning 
group and they did cool stuff like um, go out and talk to people about bike paths and they went and um, went to city meetings. I don't know why I thought those were fun at the time, but I thought that was way more fun than cutting cross sections. So it may have just like been a little bit of a Sophie's Choice situation for me, but I did sort of land in there and it was and it was a better fit for me. I had there was frankly a lot of paperwork involved and I was good at paperwork. <laughs> And, and I they was were only really doing <laughs> you were only doing road cross sections for projects in Afghanistan, right? T- to be fair, sometimes they were in you know New Less Jersey places. Oh well, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know other other places like other that. war zones. Yes, New Jersey Turnpike is fantastic, but yeah, that Sophie's was choice. I, it was an accident. <laughs> I love the Sophie's choice. One of these careers will lead to death. You have to choose which one. Awesome. Death of something. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, for me, my, I, I just thought it sounded really interesting as I came out of undergrad and, and found the course at Eastern. And again, it's just kind of the more I investigated it, I thought, man, there, there's something to this. I think it makes sense with my love for history. Kind of my same sort of fatua- infatuation that Don kind of described as a kid, trying to take things apart, put them back together and just kind of thing, see see what makes them tick and you know, kind of fell into it. Before I knew it, I was in grad school, which kind of leads us into the next thing, which is that formal education, the sort of those highs and lows. This is a hopefully a little bit of a different part of what a lot of folks think of in terms of that education. I think so many people think of or want to at least profess the the, the virtues of their higher education experience. Eh. <laughs> there are some good things, some not so good things. For me, as I mentioned, you know, I went to uh, Eastern Washington University, home of the Inferno football field, if you know it. Um, my experience was pretty, it was okay. You know, it was taught by mostly four older white dudes who professed the the virtues of diversity, which was just so much fun to watch. Um, And, you know, they were good and well attended. I found that I learned a lot from the people who were actually the practicing planners and not the academic types. So we had one in particular who was a planning director for Spokane and man, I learned a lot from him and I liked getting out in the field, kind of doing different things. And, um, that was a, a good experience as part of grad school. But, you know, overall, I don't know if, if my grad school experience was a Yelp review, it'd probably be a, a solid three out of five stars and maybe the staff could improve. That's how I would say it. So Don, what about, about you? Yeah, I would give mine, boy, I'd give it a five out of five. I, I love <laughs> Chicago. I love the philosophy of the College of Urban Planning and Public Affairs at UIC because their philosophy was Chicago is our campus. And literally within a semester or so, I was out working with what at the time was called the Pilsen Blue Line Coalition. The Chicago Transit Authority was proposing to shut down the Blue Line to rebuild it. And and Pilsen, a a majority Hispanic population and lower income, was definitely fighting against that because it was basic mobility and access. So from the start, I was exposed to a very different side of the equity coin that you had with your experience at uh, Eastern Washington in terms of both professors who I was working with and really just sitting in classes with uh, diverse students, you know, people that grew up in housing projects like Cabrini Green that are now sitting there in graduate school in Chicago and and just hearing those stories coming from Southern Appalachia. It was a huge eye-opening thing. And of course, I love everything about Chicago and got to see so many nooks and crannies of it in doing that. And so those definitely the highs, I think the low was uh, having an economics class. It was my only B because it was the guy's first semester after getting his PhD. 
and he was roundly horrible. So as a result, talk about economics and work I'm doing. Nope, no go for me. I don't get it. I like that juxtaposition. Yours in Chicago was absolutely completely different than than mine was, no doubt about it. And I'm kind of envious of of that, quite frankly. Jess, you've kind of touched a little bit more on the education side, but anything to add, just some of those real highs or lows that that you went through? I mean, one of the things that I loved about my um, about both my graduate and my undergraduate program, UNC Charlotte's civil engineering program is known for having students ready to go to work. And NC State is known as uh, more of a research-focused facility. And so I was ready to go to work, and I did right out of school. Well, I took a little six-month break. But but then I, um, when I went to graduate school, what I loved about graduate school is I put together my own program. And so I had a lot of things that were in the business school and the public administration school, and I was able to dabble in some different things. And I even studied statistics, not the biology science-based statistics, which is usually what's required. I went in and actually asked to take um, the social sciences statistics, which I thought made more sense for an engineer that was in transportation. I was looking at why do people make decisions on a highway? You know, what what direction are they going to go? How are they going to make a left? That kind of thing. So I advocated for that. And I had a cool chair of my committee. And he was like, yeah, that makes sense. So I had a great, I had a great formal education experience. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't easy. Um, but I, I'm, I'm happy for the technical education I got. I love that point. And it's something I think that's worth noting, too, is just that. So we're a little unusual. I guess all three of us went through grad programs. And that, that's definitely a huge bonus, I think, and a positive thing, right? The difference between undergrad and grad is so much more focus, so much more hands-on, so much more depth of something that you're interested in. So, you know, not to cast dispersions on the necessarily the program I went through, but I, because I did experience a lot of those positive things too. Um, but certainly I think all of us would probably be a test, a bit of a testament to higher education, at least in the grad school level, for sure. So how I would echo what Jess said on the technical side, I think because I had a partial engineering and planning, the moment I got into transportation planning, I was much more equipped to deal with and, and work with and negotiate with the kind of hardline traffic engineers and stuff. I at least knew where they were coming from. So in terms of, you know, everything I know about transportation, I learned at a planning conference. No, I knew the modeling and the other things. And I've, I found that to be more and more valuable over the years. So I definitely a testament to that. Yeah, for sure. So how about now? Let's fast forward to now. We've all been out of school for a while. We have our established careers. What the heck are we up to these days? Jess, what are you, what's your thoughts on that? What are you doing? Oh boy. So I, um, I'm a corporate trainer at an engineering and architecture and planning firm. So I work in consulting, but I work on the corporate side. And um, I went from, you know, trying to teach planning commissions what's in their code to teaching um, other people at my company how we manage projects. And and, um, it's really cool because they haven't typically had planners do this. We really don't have um, it's it's a heavy engineering and architecture firm. We don't have a ton of planners. And in transportation planning, I mean, I think there's 200 of them on staff. So it's, um, and I don't even think that's in transportation planning. I think that's all planning. I think we have about 200 staff. And this is a company of over 10,000 people. So it's really fantastic to be on the pro- project management 
um, support side in corporate and to be kind of giving back to the profession in that way and helping planners learn how to manage their projects in an engineering-focused world where there are a lot of a lot of times the planning groups are support for the engineers or they or they seem that way but you know planning is shifting in consulting and i really think about what we're doing and and you guys i know are going to talk about the sort of things that you work on um and it's just shifting what planners do and before i went into corporate training i was doing um management consultant for planning organizations i was helping them actually with you know their strategic planning as an organization so it's it's been kind of all over the map for the last couple of years for me I love it. So now you have your eye out for the talent and the planning world, right? You you know the ins and outs of things on the HR side of stuff, which is very different right. than Don than and my background and what we're doing up, you know, nowadays. So definitely a perspective that's that's valuable. Don, what are you up to these days? Sounds like Jess is doing corporate CrossFit. Hey. In your efforts there. <laughs> we need somebody like that with Vitruvian planning. We should get onto that and hire somebody. Um, you know, if you'd have told me that in 2002, when I started doing a five-year work plan, identifying road projects for the next five years, that in 2022, we would be doing a health impact assessment on a healthcare clinic and leading an ADA transition plan, I would have been like, what? What did prepare me uh, for that? But I mean, you can touch on this, Chris, the, the work we have, especially this year and last year, is so widespread and, and so diverse and working in some really cool and, and off the beaten path places. So uh, for me, that's just so much fun. It uh, stirs the mind and, and keeps me engaged and being able to work on the things I'm passionate about, as I know you are too. Yeah. And I guess something that we should probably disclose to our listeners, all three of them, um, is that Don and I work together. We, we have a company called Vitruvian Planning out in the Boise area and have worked together for, for a number of years now. Um, so just to kind of piggyback on top of that, um, all of us good planners should know who Vitruvius was, the first credited planner in, in Rome, right? We all know that. Um, but ultimately, our, our, our whole passion is bringing, again, public health into it. So Don kind of hit on what we're up to now. But man, I, I love... I love not saying no, you know, to, to projects and being able to think about it and how can we make this work? How can we sort of think through, give a perspective that we're asked to give? And so, man, things like housing assessments that we're doing right now, you know, it is important The walkability training that we do and, and a whole bunch of other stuff. And so at the end of the day, man, it, it's a whole lot of fun working for ourselves. There's stresses behind it, which we'll probably experience and, and you know, shed light on in just a minute. But, um, the end of the day right now it's just about walking to the beat of our own drum and and proving ourselves and doing fun stuff so let's transition a little bit to those in who are either in the planning profession or thinking about the planning profession what are three things that people wouldn't expect to know about this profession that we are in right what are the things that that, that behind the scenes stuff that just very very few people understand they you explain to them what you do as a planner um, as much as you can, which even that's difficult, right? It's not put put cog A into slot B and that's what you do all day. It's very, very different. So when that comes up and that, that notion of what they don't expect, I'll hit this one first. But so my first one, free for all on this one, but this, oh man, sort of the contradictions up in the public, right? Like we all experience that. We have this whole idea of 
you all need to be planning more, more planning. We need to be planning ahead. And then you present the plan right, to a group of interested folks. And we don't like that plan. What are you doing? What, you know, and so forth. And it's just the nature of, of public involvement and the sentiment, obviously the spectrum of, of interests that people have all over the place in this country and regionally, certainly the regional part of things is very different right now. I think probably maybe even more than ever. Um, but that would be one of mine. Uh, a couple other ones real quick is the sometimes the lack of political will like you know some so many times we have these really good plans and then you get one or two people man that come in and they just throw a grenade into the whole deal and then then the public has no idea they don't always understand why aren't these things being implemented well sometimes it's just because you have some some real strong voices or not enough strong spines frankly you know to implement the very things that you're talking about um but I think a positive thing is for me is the diversity of the job. I love the fact that we kind of are able to go all over the place and do different things. And at least on this private side of things, I know if you're working in the public sector, it's a whole different deal. Um, but for us right now, man, getting a chance to work in everywhere from you know California, soon to be North Dakota, all over the state of Idaho. Don just came back from Oregon yesterday, and, and that's a lot of fun. So those are kind of some of my few thoughts there. Uh, Jess, do you have something to add there? Yeah, I mean, one thing um, I think people don't understand is that we work a lot with the legal departments. If you're working on the um, public side of of planning, you are closely entwined with uh, your 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 attorney's office for the county or the city or wherever you're at because planners are the policy put together, right? We we are when I I said earlier, you know, there's a lot of paperwork involved in planning um we write code and then the 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 attorneys are the folks that make sure that we're not contradicting ourselves within the body of the code and and that was something that surprised me because i didn't you know coming from an engineering department i worked with standards but standards were often state regulated and um i didn't i never really thought i'd have to go sit down in the attorney the you know the county attorney's office and be like okay can we say this? So <laughs> that was that was something that I thought was really interesting. The other thing that I think is just surprising working as a planner is that a lot of people can't read maps. So our public involvement has to change. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, no kidding, right? And the legal thing, holy cow. I mean, oh my gosh. The, the name of our podcast, the Planning Commission, right? The decisions that are made at all these different levels have to be legal, man. You're absolutely right on that one. If you can't defend it, then you can't make that decision. And it's pretty simple. And again, that's something that people don't always understand. Don, I mean, can we all quote like Robert's rules at this point? I think yeah, I can. Right? I think I have like memorized. <laughs> no <laughs> kidding. I crack up at your uh, people can't read maps. One of the first public meetings I was ever involved with was here in Boise. There was five lane, five miles of roads on a section line grid system that made an H shape. And they were all planned to be done. They were being engineered concurrently. And the engineers, and I'll give them credit for this, had a very creative idea. They were going to lay out the design plans on tables in the same shape of that H and lay out the match lines, the drawings, and all of that so people could get it. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. Everybody in that room stood around an easel that had an 11 by 17 aerial map of the project <laughs> because they didn't know what the hell was going on with with the maps and the engineering drawings. And man, that was a early lesson uh, for me on that front. I think the biggest one, I, I mean, we do this in our presentations and our workshops. They, they would surprise you 
the amount of language and stuff in plans that never, never leads to actual policy changes. I'm trying to say it doesn't matter what your comprehensive plan says. If it doesn't translate into the change in policies, if your transportation plan doesn't translate into a change of design standards, it doesn't matter. It's going to collect industrial levels of dust either on a shelf or in the cloud. The other piece is just the, and it's probably with a lot of professions, but just kind of the constant last minute of things. I remember being involved on a countywide greenways and trails plan where the unincorporated area was pretty conservative. And I got accused of being part of Agenda 21. And I told the person, I said, thank you for giving me the the confidence that I have capabilities beyond what I can do. Because you know what? I had to get the materials to the city by 5 p.m. on Tuesday for this meeting. And I got it in at about 4.59. So while I am happy you think I have the resources and energy to engage in a global conspiracy, I cannot. Meanwhile, the black helicopter is about to pick me up. I got to go. Um, and the third thing I, I also th- got accused of agenda 21. I didn't even know what it was. So yeah. that's how far I was not in, involved with, with the conspiracy theories. Yeah. Yeah. That was a, that was a fun, fun evening in Sandy Mush, North Carolina. <laughs> Sandy Mush. I think on the positive side, and I have to think back and reflect on this because in the work that we do on the pedestrian and bicyclist side of design, that era that that facet of planning and transportation is evolving very rapidly and i would say has evolved more in the last 5 to 10 years than in the previous 50 years combined and i think we're all under the gun to catch up and build the proper things and retrofit old stuff but we know more we're doing more and and that's really exciting to see what's going to come along in the next decade or so yeah no doubt for as stale as things are in some ways, it's it's definitely changing quickly with the use of technology, obviously everything with COVID and that whole craziness and, and everything else. So, all right, let's transition a little bit. Let's talk about some of the highs, man. What, what are some of your career highs? So anybody who's listening to this podcast, I don't, I certainly don't want them to be, you know, in the mud or sandy mush. Maybe it's a better way, right? Um, of things and thinking about some possible wonderful things that could be in their future. So what are your highs, man? Take, you know, give me 15, 20 seconds on what are some of those real milestone things that have happened to you that you want to brag about? Jess, anything that come to mind? Yeah, gosh, that that moment that someone looks at you and says, thank you for explaining that I didn't know that's who I needed to talk to. I, I mean, so many times working in a county planning department, um, we all had took turns manning the permit counter like at lunch. You know, you got to let your permit folks go to lunch. And so sometimes I'd be at the counter, which I am not a building permit person. And so if somebody was coming in for permits, um, they would come to the planning department when no one else knew how to answer their question. They would, if, if and, and we'd get calls, if somebody called into the information desk at the county and they didn't know how to answer the question they sent it to the planning department at the time i was chief of planning and so it went to my phone and it was great because i'd go boy i have i i do not know the answer to that question and i got a chance to say look i don't know but i'm gonna go find out for you and it was such um such a good time to be able to say give me a second 
to a citizen and say, give me a second, let me help you solve your problem and be able to do that and get back to them the next day or, or, or at least send them in the right direction. Um, so many of us, we, we just don't do this work all the time. You know, the general public, they don't, they don't care. They don't, they just need to know who they're supposed to talk to about their issue. And it's not clear. I mean, it's, it's not always clear how a city or a county works. So that was always the highlight of my day when I got to help somebody. That's awesome. That's that's awesome. Not a paycheck, not not a promotion, just working with people, right? Oh, no, I mean, you don't do this for the money for sure. No. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Don, give me give me a couple of your highs. Oh, I think the stuff we experience, especially in the small towns we work in, I mean, everything in planning is, ooh, let's be flashy in New York and Portland and Seattle and Chicago. But when you do something in a small town and they're implementing it within weeks or it's in the program within a few months to get done, that's immediate reaction, knowing that a lot of times in larger cities, this stuff moves at the speed of plate tectonics and you could see something in a plan or a recommendation not done for years. So that's kind of the personal or the professional one. On a personal level, um, and probably owe this a little to Jess, I still remember that day I got the call from Lauren Driscoll when I was in North Carolina, wanting to come up and do the MPO analysis we did in Alaska. And for me, every time I get a place to go that's different or a different place to work, I love that. I love travel. I love working in those places. And, and so for me, that's probably the farthest reaches I could ever think of, at least domestically for that. Yeah, we're, I think we're very fortunate being in the public or the private sector where we do get that opportunity to kind of go see the country and go after projects, which kind of leads me to one of mine. I got a couple of them here that, and, and this is going to sound pretty selfish, but it's the reality is, man, the day that we beat Alta for a big bicycle plan, you know, that's the big, one of the biggest dogs in the country, right? Let's just be real. They they have owned the, the bicycle and pedestrian planning world for, for much of it. And here was little old Vitruvian planning, which really at the time was just me and going up against them and kind of got creative and figured out how to, you know, bob and weave and beat them. And man, that felt really, really, really good. That was a high. And then I guess the other one is we've also had some success with coming up with some really good ideas, unique ideas, and having people believe in those ideas and being able to pursue them and to make them reality. And man, that's, that's as, that's as good as it gets when you have people who believe in what you're saying, what you're doing. So let's wrap up this podcast. Our first one with the following concept here. Question is this, the general state of our profession, what, right? What's planning like these days? Where are we? If we were to sort of pull ourselves up and look around, then think about that. What is our, our general state of the planning world? Don, what do you think? From what I see and observe, at least on social media and others, and I, I mentioned it's rapidly evolving, but I mean, I, I see the new generation, those that are obviously younger than us coming in. And I think back to our days when we were younger and having that energy. And I think in some ways, trying to live vicariously uh, through that group that's there, but I think there's a greater awareness of both the kind of the social ills of decisions that I think we're done with well-intended purposes and, and we just know the results weren't as great. And so the energy that's in that uh, from a climate change, from an equity and other things that I know probably people in the generation older than us would definitely have their eyes roll at the thought of having to either, even consider that. And I think we see that even in some elected officials that might've had an engineering or a planning background from that era where they're 
they're definitely standoffish when you talk about things like Vision Zero and speed limits and the things we get into for transportation, much less climate impacts of land use decisions. Yeah, no doubt. Jess, what are your thoughts? I, th- I think that um, what's happening with the profession is is a adjustment from a city planner to what what type of specialists we need, what type of um, broad strokes types of folks that we need, and being able to hire the right team for the job. So I mean, whether you know whether you're a Swiss Army knife planner like like I am, and and you kind of just figure out whatever needs to be figured out, or you're a a, a unique specialist that models traffic. Um, we've got to have all different types. And I think that shaking loose this idea that we all have to be, you know, graduate degrees in a planning school with an AICP is the perfect planner, right? We have to realize that planning has many different aspects to it, um, just like any other profession. And so I I can just see that that is shifting towards what planners can do and how they can, um, they can interact. And the other thing is I think that, you know, Technology has moved a lot faster than our profession has been able to keep up. And I think that there are some real smart folks out there um, that are working on making our like our public input quicker and better and, and more um, accessible and things. And so that means that we're going to go from instead of having a comp plan for 20 years, we have action plans for the next six months. Things are actually getting into our public budgets so that um, things are happening instead of planning for 20 years, which we're now finding 20 years later, it didn't matter in 2002 because we didn't have the iPhone. So, I mean, these are things that are shifting and changing. um, And I think that planners can do it. We just have to, we have to stop being stick in the muds. We have to start saying, okay, it's different now. We can't just write a comp plan anymore. Uh, We have to, we have to follow up. (laughs) Yeah. I'll make mine brief. You hit on one of them and and I, I, I noted it, it's sort of plan to do. And I think it kind of hits on what you said, Jess, as well as Dawn. And that is, I think that we, a lot of folks are recognizing that the days of, well, we got to set up a plan that's going to take us 10, 15, 20 years to, to make happen. I think those days are, are falling by the wayside and there's much more of a desire and interest. I think a part of it is because of our our, our our attention spans and our, our culture and how much faster things are. And people are like, no, man, let's get it done now, right? Let's move. How, if you can't figure out how to implement something in the next couple of weeks, even if it's something small, then you're probably missing the boat, right? And, and you're going to be stuck in neutral, so to speak. The other one I was going to say is that I think that in our profession, my observation is that we are needed but I don't know that we're always wanted. <laughs> you know, I think that we absolutely are a profession that has to be part of this whole discussion and public policy and sort of the go-between between the public and the elected officials and all of the practical side of things. We know that. But I don't know that our voice and our in our our actual you know job is is something that the public or even the, the elected officials always appreciate and, and want us to be there. They want to the electeds always want to do it themselves and kind of just say get out of the way whether it's lawful or not, right? In some cases, and the public kind of has a similar bend in some way or prevent everything from happening. And so we're definitely needed. Don't know if we're always wanted, but. Hopefully, uh, our podcast is different than that, right? And hopefully, it's needed and wanted. That's our objective. So with that, episode number one is in the can. Uh, We appreciate you tuning in. 
will get better, we promise. And we'll have some guests that will break it up and, and make it even more interesting in episodes to come. So Jess, Don, thanks. Have a good rest of our week, everybody. And we'll talk again soon. 